Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the TetraCast. My name is Zachary, I'm your host. It is the May 5th, 2018 edition, and joining me today, first we've got Anna Vitali. Hey. Hello, and we've got the return of Kazuma Kiryu. Oh my, okay, come on now. <laughs> I have a fucking dragon tattoo, so that's like, just like a thing now, like, ugh. Is that what you've been doing on your time off, just getting tattoos? Y- yeah. Is it? Yeah, actually. I know we were having this conversation before, but I was troubleshooting the podcast. Did Did you do a whole, like, back tattoo? Is that what happened? No, it's not a back tattoo, but it's just my uh, chest and shoulder. Still oh, traditional, though. That sounds yeah. like painful, honestly, when you think about it. I thought it. I was going to die. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I saw, the, I, saw the, the worst spot. I saw the pictures he was posting, and it's like, that's for, for your first tattoo, that seems pretty uh, substantial. <laughs> so... Jack is a phantom, all right? That's just what oh, okay. Uh, I'm never going to like live that down ever. Because huh. people don't think your real name is Kazuma Kiri. No, it's <laughs> Kazuma not Kazuma Kiri. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> I just like the fact yeah. that everyone online thinks that's your full name, too. It's just you're Kazuma Kiri. <laughs> like, you're such a big fan, you legally changed your name. It's it's my real fucking name. Like, it's such a common name. Anyways, let's move on. You're internet popular now. That's because of that. I don't know. So, yeah, <sighs> it's, um, it's been a quiet week in terms of news. Uh, not a whole lot happening. Uh, but, you know, we're ramping up here. It's the road to E3, as it were. Uh, uh, me and Adam are both going to be going there this year. And so our inbox is flooded with appointments. Uh, people requesting appointments with them. Uh, some exciting things to be happening, though, and we'll get to that some of that in the news uh, following up here shortly. But before we get into that, we always like to talk about the games that we've been playing uh, since last week. And so, Adam, uh, I know you talked a little bit about this. Actually, we had a conversation about this, in fact, because it was on sale. Uh, but the file, fire, excuse me, Breath of Fire Three. Uh, yeah. So, well, on the last week podcast, I mentioned how I played Tales of Destiny. Yes. Um, you know, just April's April is a bit of a quiet month for new releases for me. Uh, I'm you know wasn't really big into God of War and Yakuza. I'm just so far behind on. But uh, so I'm playing a couple of old games that I hadn't gotten around to. Um, and I had played the first two Breath of Fire games um last year. So we if you're, if it. anyone out there is not aware, Breath of Fire is an old Capcom classic RPG series. Uh, started on the was Breath of Fire 1 Super Nintendo or just yeah. NES? They were okay, both Super Nintendo, yeah. Okay. Um, and the last game was uh, on PS2, right? Breath of Fire Dragon Quarter. There was no game past that, yep, right? No, not at all. Nothing. Yep. Nothing worth so, talking about. I played the first two games last year. I played the GBA versions, which are basically the same. They don't have very good localizations, uh, but... And they're kind of buggy, but they actually like in, increase like how much money and EXP you get so in terms of just kind of playing through them quickly. I'm like, I'll just play these versions. Uh, but I wanted, while I had time to kill, I wanted to play Breath of Fire three, which I know Zach is a. I think Zach's a pretty big fan of it. Although you like four more, is that right? Yeah, four has in, got insane level of quality in terms of animation. But yeah, Breath of Fire three just had its uh, 20th anniversary in America, so it's a very, very. Uh, important time to be playing that game yeah and i was actually talking to kazuma before the recording about uh there's nothing that beats well done sprites uh in terms of 2d artwork and games uh pixel art or what have you the first two breath of fire games on gba they're they're a little bit they're they're old enough 
you know, like their Final Fantasy IV, you know, age, the original Final Fantasy IV, not the remakes or whatever. And so it does take a little bit of adjusting to kind of get used to how they look, how they feel, you know, um, just kind of have to adjust your your uh, your mentality as you go to play those. Breath of Fire Three is like immediately uh, a little bit more approachable. I think the text boxes are a little bit too slow. It's that's my only real complaint early on. I haven't I haven't played uh, too much yet. But like you just kind of alluded to, the sprite work in this game is like really good. Uh, I I really like how the characters look and how they animate in battle. And there's this uh, so Breath of Fire for those who aren't aware, it's kind of almost in terms of how the games connect to each other. It's almost like Legend of Zelda, where they're not they're connect they're all in the same world, but they're not directly you know related storylines. But in each game, you have a Ryu and you have a Nina. Yeah. Uh, as kind of your main hero and main heroine that are reincarnations in a sense uh, over you know over thousands of years um, and some of the other characters that you I met in this game there's like a, a mage boy named Tipo and like a lion dude thief named uh, uh, Ray yeah. and there's just some really yeah there's just some really neat animations like for example there's one part where you kind of jump into a river and Tipo has got really long hair and like you get out of the river and he kind of you know pulls his hair to kind of wring it out you know, old, like, kind of cartoony, you know, ring it out like a towel type of thing, and, like, in the sprite animation, and it just looks super neat. Um, and th- I just really love how these games look. But the thing that really surprised me most most about Breath of Fire 3 was the soundtrack. Yeah, the, it's the, very different, isn't it? <laughs> the the first two games are kind of typical, you know, adventure sounding, some rock, you know, Breath of Fire, you know, it's kind of some rock in the battle system and things like that. But Breath of Fire 3, the overworld, as soon as you get onto the... Or actually, before that, when you're in the uh, you're in Tipo and Ray's house, it's got this like, slow jazz like beat to it, uh, like this slow jazz rhythm, like you're in some sort of, you know, classic, I don't know, like fancy bar or something. And then you get onto the world map, and it's this sort of funky parlor music. And it's like, this is... It's nothing at all like I expected, but it's really cool. Yeah. And then in battle, it's kind of like this... I don't I, I don't know how to describe it other than rock disco. It's like... It's almost like a dance theme with a, a little amazing. bit of like a, a rock into it. And this is, this is a 20-year-old game, and I had no idea this is what it sounded like. And I'm like, this is amazing. Um, yeah, and, they definitely went a, a totally different direction with it. And I think that's what makes it so appealing is that, like, it subverts your expectations in a way. And for $3, I think it was like 3 bucks, if I'm not mistaken, to, to pick it up, the PS1 version on PSN when it was on sale this past week. Uh, perfect price. And mo- a lot of it is that soundtrack, I think. It's so good. Yeah. Like I said, I've only just started, so I can't really comment on it any more than that. Um, I'm still, like, a, a lot of these, at least the second game, uh, I'm in I'm in a portion of the game where I'm playing as young kid Ryu, and I'm pretty certain there's going to be a time skip here. Uh, so I'm I, I, that's how early I am in yeah. the game. That's like all of them, uh, pretty much too. That's another yeah. Game it's, that... it's, that's what I, that's what it seems like. Yeah. Um, but the only my only real complaint I should mention I'm playing the PSP version, which as far as I understand is almost identical to the PSX version, with the exception of a couple of bugs and exploits have been fixed. Uh, so. Yeah, but it's, it's not like it's not like some other PSP versions that add a lot or are considerably different. As far as I understand, it's almost identical. Uh, but yeah, I just started and I, I I can't. I'm playing a review game now, so I can't play anymore at the moment. But I'm definitely eager to get back to it. Yeah, it's kind of crazy. Um, 
people aren't aware is that it actually, uh, the Breath of Fire game for the PSP, it was never really uh, released in America until 2016. <laughs> so uh, all this time, we never got a chance to check that out. It was released in Europe a long time ago, but like, oh, it never was I forgot released about that. in America. Yeah, uh, it only came out a couple years ago. And I think when it released, it was only like 10 bucks. But yeah, all it has is just like, it's it's they fixed the visuals, and I think they... Uh, 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 ex- a couple of bugs. The fishing mini game. I think that was like the oh. two big ones. I, I just realized I never finished my my thought a couple a minute ago. The only thing about it right now that I wish I could do something about, but I can't, is that the tech speed is weirdly slow, even on the fastest like speed. Like I don't know if that expects me to be like really really poor at reading or something. Like I don't need this long to read this text. Yeah. <laughs> that's about it. Uh, I mean, you'll you'll be excited when if, when you eventually get to but the fire four. I will say, um, if my memory is correct. It's kind of awkward at times because your character doesn't speak, and so right away at the beginning they're having the conversation that it's it's that very awkward thing that happens when you have a lot of like uh, mute protagonists, and that there's like this one way conversation happening. It's like you want to go, okay, yeah, let's go, and then you don't say yeah. anything. It's just it's that's like the one thing. Well, otherwise, like just looking at uh, images and stuff like that for either Breath of Fire three or four, it's just gorgeous games that you wish they would you know go back to. Because even if like for example Octopath Traveler looks amazing. It's still like extremely pixelated, uh, uh, and that's obviously intentional. Uh, in Breath of Fire three and four, it's it's just beautiful hand drawn uh, sprites that are highly detailed in their looks uh, and gorgeous landscapes and everything. Uh, it, it's it's a different turn on it, and I think that you know the world is ready for another one of those games. Is what I'm saying. <laughs> now I'd love to see that in Breath of Fire seven because uh, they got to skip six, so, you know. Yeah. <laughs> ten instead of Windows 8. That's they got to skip it uh, for some reason, so. But I'm, I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing more of your thoughts about that. It's just because you, you and I uh, both got to play through the Wild Arms series, so it's 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 uh, to see it go through all that, and now you get to try out the Breath of Fire series. I know there's not a whole lot of parallel there, but they're both long-running series that, you know, and do you, did you get around to beating Tales of Destiny, or did you just hop on? Yeah, I beat it. Oh, okay. Uh, I don't. I'll just mention very quickly here. I, I basically said my piece last week, but Tales of Destiny I finished. Um, the second half of that game kind of disappointed me because it really starts to ramp up things like battle density. You, yes. There's a second half of the game. You go to a, a location called the Aether Sphere, um, and it's basically the game throws a lot more en- enemy encounters at you. It's you know things are ramping up. You're getting the finale of the game and whatnot, but it just it starts to it, it kind of slogs a bit, and yeah, and also this it, it isn't maybe super fair because it's one of the very first games in the series, but it becomes really typical in terms of like the story stuff too. So you don't really have much hooking you on either the story front or the gameplay front. You know, it's just it's just a you know a wave of battles, uh, and a you know kind of a ho-hum story so it's just kind of i will say it is very 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 obvious why leon is so popular yes i mean i, I know when they, when they do kale when they do tales character like i know in japan they had like they they almost always every year do these like popularity rankings and i know leon was actually a character they had to retire because he kept you know winning him and a couple <laughs> other characters and yeah. like I see, it's very obvious why after playing the game. Like, yep, I can definitely see why he's popular. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I can't really say why, but yeah. 
That's. I mean, it's it and, and it's it should be noted that I mean, yeah, you played Tales of Destiny, but you played the PlayStation Two version, right? So well, no, I played the PS One version, but oh, I okay. So, I started the PS Two version, the remake. I haven't really gotten far into it yet. So I mean, I wanted to play both. Sorry, I'm keep cutting you off. You go ahead. No, I was just correcting you. I played the the original English version, and I bought the Japanese PS2 version because it was never uh, localized. Um, and I started it, and it looks amazing. It feels amazing, and the battle system is pretty different, actually. Um, but I haven't really had time to actually play it yet. <laughs> yeah, the people that were working on localizing, uh, fan translating Tales of Destiny for the PS2, their whole production uh, project shut down uh, in across the board. So I won't get into that though because that was a lot of like the personal reasons for why they did that. So, But it's important to point out that from what I remember about Tales of Destiny 1 for the PS1, it's that they were under some uh, huge time constraints in localizing it. Uh, so it's the point where there was supposed to be an English dub, but they cut it at the last minute because they ran out of time. So that kind of gives you an idea. So that's why it's all in like Japanese voices and everything. I'm, it's it's yeah. Japanese voices, but heck, half the time they're speaking English anyway. You know, yeah. first okay, aid of that. Uh, it, I soon needles... Sorry, I'm just I'm just mimicking how Japanese people say these English words. You know, like ice needles becomes like ice needles. Yeah, like tales I'm just I'm just I'm kind of just yeah. I'm kind of just joking that they half the battle lines are in English anyway. So yeah, yeah, <laughs> sort yeah. Of I, I, I just I'm just only referring to the fact that I think that <laughs> the project as a whole, uh, the project to localize it as a whole, uh, ran into uh, a deadline, and so it's it could. Oh, have I misunderstood you. It could have been. I didn't realize the actual fan translation, they're actually going to dub it. Okay. No, no, no. I'm talking about the actual, like, release oh. in America for Tales of Destiny. Oh, back okay. Because, like, it's... Uh, and funny enough, like, in a few months, I think it's celebrating its 20th anniversary because last December it was uh, celebrated in Japan. So, hmm. and you had to be playing Tales games, by the way. I think there's, like, a lot of anniversaries for that series this year, so that'll be exciting. But, uh, actually, I think the Tales... Like, Tales of Fantasia for the PS1, which is not a great version of the game. Uh, Best music, though. Yeah. I, it's funny because Tales of Fantasia for the PS1 came out uh, after Tales of Destiny did, uh, which kind of makes sense, I guess. Um, but I don't know what the uh, the general feeling about that version is. I assume, just like the rest, terrible load times and all. Uh, so aside from that, though, anything else you've been playing? Nope, that's it. Pretty much it. All right, well, Kazuma... You've been playing yeah. a game that I fell in love with when I got to cover it. Uh, you've been playing, I don't know if you can really talk too much about this, but Dragon's Crown Pro. I, I can talk about, like, a good chunk of it, actually, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah, go yeah. ahead then. Oh, as you, as you're, uh, you said you, uh, you've beaten it already, so you can give some good ideas about, like, what your general feelings about it are. It's amazing. It's great. Like, it's probably, like, the most perfect port I've ever played. Like, honestly. Like, technically. I've had no issues with it, and I think every game I've played for, like, the site has had some kind of, like, game-breaking bug that I've encountered, and this has none of that. Everything's upscaled beautifully, the multiplayer is pretty solid, and it, it's just, it's still a very, oh, it's just still a very complete experience. Yes. Um, I mean, so, like, back in 2013, this game came out for the first time, um, I actually read your review. Oh. from RPG site, and that's what got me to buy it, because I was like, oh yeah, this guy seems to know what he's talking about, I'm going to buy this game. <laughs> and so I bought it, 
I'm not surprised because you told me this before, and I'm still shocked that anyone reads my stuff. So that's pretty cool. I, I'm glad that 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 convinced you. But I, I was a huge fan of it as well, especially because I had a really good experience my my original playthrough. Because um, one of the coolest mechanics in that game is the fact that as you're going through the dungeons, and uh, people who don't know, Dragon's Crown is a side scrolling beat 'em up uh, RPG. So there's like a way yeah, to level up your characters. Yeah, like every so often you might come across like the corpse of a character, uh, like the the skeleton basically, or like the bones, and you could take it, bring it back to base, and revive that character to join you as like a partner until they die. And I think like early on I got like a level ninety three or ninety four level character, and so I, I was oh same to... yeah oh it's so good when that happens. Yeah, I was uh, playing online with some people, and I eventually found one of the players is like a corpse. I revived them. They were like a level 91 Japanese player with like 10 gear sets. Holy shit. Like some people really go hard with this game. And I can see why, because it's a, it's honestly a great homage to these really early side scrolling RPG titles. And it just feels so good to play it just to revisit it. I, I don't know. There's just something really charming about it. And again, like the illustration quality and the sprite quality is top notch because it's vanillaware. And the music is phenomenal as well. Like, there's nothing I can say about this game that I don't enjoy, honestly. Like, it's really great. Now, um, compared to some other... Um, this, this isn't really Atlas, Atlas, Sega. Or is it Atlas? Or is it Sega? And I know it's kind of the it's, same thing. Yeah, <laughs> okay, it is Atlas. Okay, yeah. yeah. It's Vanilla as the developer, but uh, uh, this is a remaster... But unlike a couple of Atlas games, it doesn't have really new content, but it's it's 4K. But you just mentioned the music, and I believe uh, they said that the music has been fully re-recorded. Yeah. Uh, so mm-hmm. that it, to me, that's like probably the biggest advantage. I think. I, I think it's a, they also have like a toggle, so for whatever reason, you just want to go back to the PS3 soundtrack, you can. Yeah. But yeah, having the soundtrack fully fully recorded and orchestrated, that sounds like. That, that's almost for me personally reason alone to get this version so i mean and there's there's no discrepancies in the soundtrack either it's not like when you play like final fantasy 10 hd and the yeah where they OST is completely different mm-hmm. no like n- none of that is the case for dragon's crown so they're like i didn't even notice that i was playing with the ps4 soundtrack until you just told me right now oh like, I thought yeah. that was the ps3 soundtrack i was like wow no really yeah, good like everything you don't intact. have the basic comparison to work off of but yeah that's and yeah it has a to- toggle and everything the, the original music was great as well but i assume obviously they probably weren't satisfied and they figured why not uh while they're working on this project and i and i also agree i don't think there's anything really different about this version outside of that outside of the visuals and the soundtrack i don't remember reporting on anything different about that but no I mean, it's it's great and also it's cool that you'll be able to play between ps4 ps3 and vita uh, players like it's all cross play so that's pretty mm-hmm. not cross by cross pay play yeah um only japan had any sort of new content and that was this like extra scenario you get that was like it it was presented like a dungeons and dragons pen and paper scenario <laughs> but it's exclusive to that region and like we didn't get it so oh. yeah that's a real bummer. That's a real bummer. But you know, at, at the same time, it's yeah, it's, it's like a very solid game, and there's a lot of fun to have on the online multiplayer as well. Like, did you see? Obviously, this is pre-release, so uh, were there enough players that you got to uh, enjoy it on your own? Did you yeah, play with uh, Japanese no, no. Yet, so, yeah. yeah, the Japanese players already have this, and um, I think anyone who has PS3 and uh, the Vita copies can play with me too. So I definitely wasn't alone when playing multiplayer. Like, there were a lot of people playing. 
How many act? It's still active. That's crazy to think about because that game came out years ago. So maybe people are getting ready for the re-release. I mean, who knows? Like this is a this is a chance for like a completely new like group of players to get invested and interested in this game and it's really grind heavy like you can just keep playing and playing and playing and grinding out new stats and new builds and new gear if people are into that kind of like with diablo but in um a much smaller time frame so it's easier to manage like you don't have to invest like 20 hours for a build you maybe invest like five to six hours and you're just good to go also i apologize if anyone can hear my cat screaming <laughs> just now like, that's okay yeah uh, did you see anything in the menus that you can like transfer your data over from the ps3 or Vita version? yeah it's actually on the start screen like the first screen it's upload and download data oh cool it's okay just right the there file. awesome oh, that's cool yeah. i like i like that a lot i do a lot i mean obviously that's cool uh clearly um i think that they try to match characters up by close to the levels, and so it's not like you're going to be completely swamped. But then again, uh, people might not mind being carried through the game, as it were, because there's some pretty difficult boss battles, especially online. Like the like, there's a dragon character I remember being supremely difficult, and you had to like basically uh, escape from screen to screen to try to outrun it, or you can just turn around and try to kill it. But that's a lot of work. It's uh, a challenging game. But Vanillaware, you know, they always deliver. I feel on their games, and this is just another example of that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, so, great. which character is the best? Oh, okay, so I play the wizard, and that's because I just like to spam Storm, and that, like, has uh, me win everything, so I just, like, sit there and I'm just, like, pressing, like, one of my, um, like, one of my assigned, like, spell buttons, like, square or something, and just Storm happens, and I just, like, instantly kill a boss, and I'm like, oh, I don't have to do anything, whatever, or I just, like, charge, like, spam lightning from my staff, but... Mm-hmm. I've also played the fighter and the Amazon and the sorceress and the elf. Oh, and I think except, elf. For the wizard, except for the dwarf, it sounds like. <laughs> yeah, I don't. I don't like the dwarf. <laughs> Wait, which one is the rabbit? The rabbit? There's no rabbit. There's no rabbit. Wait, am I thinking of Odin Sphere? Shoot. Yeah. Yeah, you're thinking okay. of Odin Sphere. Yeah, that's a totally different. Yeah. Yeah. yeah sorry, I'm, I I haven't played these games. <laughs> oh, okay. I mean, yeah. there is a rabbit, but it's like a there's like this. I didn't realize it was a Monty Python reference in this game until like just like three or four days ago. And I was like, Oh my God, how did I not get this? Like, it's so like in your face. It's great. It's great. And I mean, Adam, you should really play Odin Sphere. That game is incredible. Uh, it's, I think it's right up your alley too. You should really try it out. Uh, but yeah, it's it's great. The art looks fantastic, and it gets. I think it's also cool because it gets you excited about Thirteen yeah. Sentinels. Because uh, we should hopefully be hearing more about that since they had, you know, promotions for that game, or at least you know, uh, art for it that they were showing off during um, Anime Expo uh, and of course TGS. But we still barely know anything about that. So hopefully, this is like the time for the big reveal. Are you? I forgot that game was even happening, Kazuma. I forgot it was even happening, but yeah, now that you reminded me, yeah, I am excited. I'm actually really looking forward to a game that isn't Yakuza. <laughs> wow, fantastic. Is that, all of a sudden, we had this big argument about that's not your entire character yet. It's like the only game you're interested in is the Yakuza. No, it's the it's the only game that I've been like consistently playing. Like, Wouldn't it's not my fault they have solid over, Like, very recently, anyway? No, I've been a fan since I was 14. Oh, okay. I thought yeah. you said, like, you, didn't, you weren't, like, too into some of those games until, like, you know... You picked up one, and then all of a sudden you bought them all at once. No, no. Um, what ended up happening was I kind of, like, played them casually, and then, like, when I was finally capable of, like, critical thinking, I was like, wow, this is actually really good, and then I got into it. Like, <laughs> like, right there, like when you're right. four, Yeah, like, no, like, when you're 14, you're like, 
ah, uh, yeah, like whatever. Like I'm like beating this guy up, and it's like, there's some there's some point where you kind of realize you kind of have to like almost you kind of almost have to evaluate those games I liked when I was younger. They actually were they not really good, and then you sort of realize actually these were good. <laughs> Mm-hmm. It's crazy because when I think about when I was fourteen, it was just it was still around the time that the Dreamcast was big, and I like the first game I ever bought, uh, pre-ordered and bought was uh, Sonic Adventure Two, and I really appreciated it. But I had a really difficult time with one of the last bosses in that game, uh, and then I came back to it much later, and I beat him like in my first try. It's like it's like the, I don't know, my my critical thinking may have taken longer because <laughs> I still, I guess I'm just terrible at video games at the same time. But it's the same as like your skill level. And also, yes, your intellectual level about being able to comprehend what's going on. Like, I did that big thing about Xenogears recently, and I'm pretty sure when I was 10 years old playing that game for the first time, I would not have thought of any of that stuff. So I totally get what you're saying. Yeah. Also, Yakuza, like, wasn't my real interest. Like, I was really into playing Fatal Frame and Silent Hill when I was 14. Both great. Both awesome. So, yeah. So I was like, yeah, I want to go back weird scary stuff like this is whatever i'll just play this yeah and the but... commercials for yeah because it didn't really help them at all because they made it look like it was a serious like drama a J, like a j drama or something like that but nope it couldn't be farther from that honestly for most part obviously there's some serious moments but uh that game doesn't take itself too seriously for a lot of it so uh, well just for the side stories like the main story stuff it's like super deep like it's oh, like yeah. racism yeah. and you know all that shit going on yeah. like yeah still going on honestly and, yeah, yeah. I, I know you're. I know you're being totally serious, but that kind of reminded me of that terrible Witcher Three commercial or pro- trailer, oh where it was like we, it touches on tough topics, even racism. <laughs> it's like, oh my god, really? Did they really have a? Witcher? Yes, they said that. <laughs> yes, it was. A, it was a Witcher Three trailer. It was like E3 2014 or something like that. And I, I, this isn't verbatim because I obviously don't know exactly, but it was something like touches on. Uh, serious topics like this and this and even racism. It was just so weird. Like, wow. <laughs> it was just the way that it was presented. Oh, and also in that trailer, like when it's talking about serious topics, it shows uh, uh, what's the black haired girl's again name again? Jennifer. Yeah, it shows her like magically removing her top while it's saying like serious oh topics. God. Like that was not well aligned. Up. <laughs> Gosh. So yeah, I know you were being totally serious about Yakuza being serious, but just you saying racism made me think of that. Sorry. Oh God. God. Which which is, uh, it does approach that stuff in, in an interesting way, but that's more like a lot of it is also like speciesism. I can also, of course, that the Witcher uh, they're sort of oppressed and they're treated poorly, but that's just like that they should not really approach it like that in that in that context because it's kind of like. When Baldur's Gate used to do that, when you would come into a town and then they would treat the elves or the dwarves differently than everybody else, it's it's that kind of approach. And this, Yakuza's a lot more, you know, true to life than. <laughs> yeah, it's no, it's literally like yeah, Koreans get treated like shit, and the Japanese don't like the Chinese like right in your face. Like it's just like, well, this is this is it. Yeah. Doesn't hold any uh, qualms about what is actually happening, which is you know uh, fantastic because it also teaches people that uh, are obviously not from that area uh, that it's just as bad in, in many other parts of the world than it is, say, like in America. So exactly, and then you also get to like you know do like pro wrestling for one of your orphan sons who's allergic to buckwheat noodles in Japan, which is like the most unfortunate allergy you could ever have. Wow. Or I don't know. Yeah, no, that's literally like one of like. 
the story thinks is that your kids learn to buckwheat noodles, and so you have to like cheer them up by like dressing up as a wrestler and wrestling this other dude, and it's it's like it's so much. It's really a lot. Was it was it a New Japan wrestlers? <laughs> no, it was in Yakuza oh, Three. So you're like <laughs> wrestling this like dopey dude. Yeah. Right. Yeah, it's it's so much. Anyways, I was playing other games too because yeah, go I'm. Ahead. Well, let's, oh let's God. Some, uh, I know you've been huge into Unmyoji, uh, which is people who don't know, it's super popular Chinese uh mmo that finally got localized not too long ago yeah it's really good um so on Mioji, it's uh just a really popular chinese developed uh mobile app game that tells a sort of a uh, story of abe no seme and he's you know like this incredibly like famous Omiyoto in japanese history and it's it has like a gacha function where you can pull for like ssrs uh SRs, Rs, normals, and everything, and they're all different shikigami in Japanese folklore. Uh, and the it's actually really interesting because when you think like app game, you don't think like turn-based strategic combat, but that's really what this is. Like you have a party of five characters with like different abilities, like up to th- like up to three different abilities, and you have to like strategize and figure out how to like fight your opponent in the story mode, which is about again the tale of Abe no Seme. And you also have, like, PvP and co-op and evolution zones where you can co-op with friends to get evolution materials to evolve your Shikigami or do realm raids where you can attack other people's, like, realms or do guild battles, boss raids. Like, there's so much you can do in Onmyoji. And right now, now this... Have... Hmm? Sorry, uh, didn't this release on Steam recently? Yeah, it, re- it released on Steam, but it's been available um, for mobile. Uh, mobile for longer. For yeah. a couple of months, yeah, for North America and Europe. But it's like the same game, right? Just different yeah. platforms you can play it on. Yeah, it's yeah. it's really smooth on Steam too. Like it's really great. If you haven't tried it yet and you want to try like a new mobile app game, like um definitely try this one out because they're actually having an event where if you summon up to 120 times you get a guaranteed SSR, which is pretty generous because like, you know, you have in like uh some app games, like I'm also playing the City of Final Fantasy opera omnia and if you like you know use like five thousand currency you get like a guaranteed like five star weapon in onmyoji you don't get a guaranteed ssr when you do 10 draw tickets like that's not what happens in this um so drop rates are just really nuts and i'm really hoping to do 120 pulls so maybe i can get the ssr i want because i already (laughs) have a couple of them and like one of them i have is like really powerful but the one i have isn't the one i want so I'm like really grinding for currency right now and doing like the most. Yeah, that's that's the, always the big thing. Uh, which you know I appreciate games like I play a ton of Grand Blue and like you could play as much of the story as you want without using stamina. Uh, but that helps you grind for uh, crystals to roll for things. Actually, I, I mean I I think at one point at some point I should play on Miyoshi because you mentioned Abe no Seme. Uh, that's a a very important character in the Atogi series, which I'm a huge fan of, and so like I should, I should probably give that a try just because I fell in love with that lore so much, and that's yeah. that's sounds like it's right up my alley because I know so much about that that mythology from playing all those different yeah. games. So, oh, you'll really love it. Um, one of the SSRs I have that shoots, and I have Ibaraki Doji as well. So I have those two characters, and I have like Otengu, and I'm trying to get uh, Arakawa no Aruji, and. I yeah, oh god, Arakawa. I'm always like like you see my Twitter, I'm always like thirst tweeting about that character. Yeah, I'm like, I need cool. him. Like I need him. <laughs> he's but he's also like 
<laughs> he's really powerful though like because so in onmyoji like you can also sacrifice like skill daruma to increase the skill level of your um shikigami skills but you also have a soul board and each piece of this soul board it ups a certain stat for your shikigami and you can up that piece of the soul board up to 15 and if you get his crit to like um it's like a hundred percent and you max out his attack damage he can do over like 50k in one hit on one character like he just wipes out like one characters completely and you're like i don't have to worry about shit like during this fight whatever that's great yeah. for pvp cakewalk for most of those battles i assume especially from like the main storyline that's i think that's that's the part where it's like well uh, for me like i have a i have some difficulty getting to like not to go back to grand blue but like i don't understand like the deeper mechanics of that so it feels great mm-hmm. just to have one character that can carry you through the entire battle it's just because by their base stats alone that they're the most one of the most powerful uh characters you can have in your party yeah. so that's all that's always like the best feeling just to have one person who's like that or like if you find like for example uh like a very strong sword or something like that for one of your characters like in any rpg it's just like it's a very satisfying feeling when you have somebody like that that you can use like it's your your uh not so much your wild card just like your your just someone you can always have with you at any point and just destroy everything so i can totally get the appeal of that yeah and if you do play on meoji let me know um so i can invite <laughs> you to like my guild and we can give you guild benefits and stuff because that's actually pretty important i've got like, like eight mobile games installed on my phone that i play regularly so i don't know if okay I, <laughs> it might okay but zach okay but the most recent update allows you to like auto like all the zones properly like you don't have to touch your phone for hours and that's like what i do like i'll be playing dragon's crown i'll just set my phone on auto Is it a tap and i'm like doing all my dailies <laughs> God. Huh? That sounds like uh, if Josh was here, we'd be making a joke about Dynasty Warriors Unleashed, the mobile game that was straight up just, you know, you enter a battle, hit a button, and then it just does everything for you. <laughs> it's one of those. I mean, I don't mind because I don't have a lot of time. Like, the only time I don't do that is for, like, PvP. And if you get, like, higher ranks in PvP, you get better rewards and everything. Like, um, my boyfriend plays this too, and he's pretty good at PvP because he has a maxed out Arakawa. So he's, like, in Tier 3 PvP, and I'm in, like, like really low tier like tier one and he gets maybe like 100 jade like per week so he can like pull for like more characters and i get like 20 like and that yeah and it's it's a lot but you should really try it it's really good i will eventually i mean i I definitely plan on uh getting around to it eventually uh it's like i've fallen into such a deep pit at this point and yeah, I see you post about Grand Blue all the time. It's kind of hard. hard to get out of that rut. Because I feel like uh, it, it's the worst part is also when like I'm in the middle of reviewing an actual, you know, uh, not an actual game, but like a console game or, or a game on PC. And I get stuck on a mobile game for hours that I just I don't know what time it is anymore. And I just have to go back and realize that I've wasted time when I could be focusing on this project I'm doing. So maybe when I get some of the other assignments out of the side, I will join you on Onmyoji because I feel like uh, I can I can hop in there and maybe have some fun with that. Like I said, I'm, I'm already familiar with a lot of the lore of that uh, from playing a bunch of different games that I'm about to do that. Not, not just that, like, you know, it's like I assume a lot of those characters also appear in, like, you know, the... Um, Samurai Warrior series, you know, and and Dynasty Warriors and stuff like that. Not, I guess, not so much Dynasty Warriors because this is Japanese mythology. So, uh, yeah, yeah, I just want to make a comment that I I remember reading a this is I remember reading a like a little like preview or information post on some website about this game, and they called it like anime inspired, <laughs> and I just think that really does it a disservice. Like it's yeah. Japanese folklore. Yeah, it really does. yeah it's it's you not really. <laughs> 
Th- no, thank you for saying that because that shit drives me fucking insane. <laughs> like, <laughs> like yeah, like this. I mean, it has like a lot of really recognizable like voice actors. Like if you like Gintama, like uh, a lot of the voice actors are in this game, and yeah. uh, they all voice notable characters. But this is like derived from like actual Japanese folklore and it does a pretty good job of portraying it. And with like most recent patches, they've actually fixed some of the localization issues in the past. So you can better understand the dialogue, which is also helpful. That's good. Yeah. <laughs> that's kind of crazy. Yeah. I, I, uh, but that's like the same when you hop on Kickstarter it's like everything's a Metroidvania and everything's anime inspired you know, everything's like Zelda or Final Fantasy Tactics or anything like that. And so, like, the marketing people are, are just, they threw their hands up and could not figure out how to explain this game to people. But when you look at the game, the art style is so different. It's not, it doesn't, anything is anime if, if that's the, what you're going to go with. But, you know, it's like, what was the, um, there was another game that was recently announced, I remember. It was like a Chinese-developed game that had a unique style to it. I don't know if you... We're paying attention to the news on the site, Adam, when I when we posted about it. But there was like this recent game. I'm gonna to try to find it here because it was also something that drew my. I know. I, I saw some people talking about some Chinese online game RPG on Steam that it's only available in Chinese. Um, that they wish it was localized, but it's not. I don't. You know, it was. It had a Chinese title. And I just. You know, I can't recall what it was, but. But yeah, there's actually this. Uh, Sorry, oh, Banner of the Maid. That's the one I was thinking of. Oh, okay. That one's being localized, though, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that's uh, they just said an English version, so we don't know much about that. I mean, last week we talked about a Shanghai-based studio uh, making Eastward, uh, which is that really uh, cool-looking sprite-based game. But Banner of the Maid looks fantastic, and it's a it's a yeah, it's a Chinese-made strategy RPG coming to PS4, Switch, and PC, which is crazy when you think about the fact that the ban for console games lifted not too long ago in china so it's like that now that they're uh, free to make make all these great games so um but it's got a uh, it's like a style you can't really pin down to it it's got like this old maybe european design to it uh with a like maybe a, a, a sort of like the traditional chinese look to it i don't know it's kind of hard to explain but um Anyway, in any case, I mean, you've got a guide up on 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 the RPG set, by the way, about Onmyoshi for people who didn't who didn't check it out before, and it basically mm-hmm. uh, is like a, uh, uh, a a beginner's guide to that. So anyone who's interested in checking that out, be sure to see that. Uh, it goes really in depth on that, and you know, if people like that, we might have more content later on for that as well. But uh, it's good to hear that that game is still pretty good, especially on Steam, because I don't think I ever heard anything anyone's opinion on the Steam version yet. Uh, so that's that's nice. I might. Might play that one uh, just because uh, it'll be it'll be easier not having another app on my phone that I can take away oh, yeah. I go, which is dangerous as hell. Yeah, it actually plays better on Steam than it does on my phone, and it's way better than the Facebook Game Room like version. If anyone's playing that, like drop that and just go to Steam like right now. Yeah, like Facebook Game Room just horrible. Steam's Facebook so Live good in general. Facebook Live is terrible. Uh, I tried that. Yeah. It's like most most things about Facebook is awful. Like this close to leaving my account, so I believe you. So anything besides those two games though? No, no, I've only been watching Infinity War three times, so, you know. Uh, yes, uh, no spoilers, though. So. Oh, of course not, no, no. Uh, for me, it, it's not been much. Uh, I've been covering Atelier, Lydia, and Sewell. Uh, the reason that that review didn't go up before, because uh, I've been reviewing pretty much all the Atelier games since uh, Verona, uh, 
it's because my computer went kaput, and that's why I was off the podcast for about a, a little over a month. So I'm uh, working on the review for that, making uh, good progress there. But the stress is off now, so I don't have to worry about rushing a review or anything like that. It, it feels good to be able to just make my way through a game kind of like mm-hmm. I normally would, uh, and that allows me to really collect my thoughts on it. So I should help have the review up for that in a couple of days. Uh, nothing Sometimes really it is. upset about that now, though. So. Sometimes it is kind of nice to, like... When I post a review, a late review, if you will, you know, a way a, a bit after launch or whatever, it's you're not going to get as many eyeballs. That's just kind of how it is. But sometimes you 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 do get those people who now now you're of course in that situation where the people reading your review have played it and you know can offer their own comments on like your thoughts and it's actually kind of cool sometimes to have that sort of option you know that you, where you basically instead of you do just describing what it is and your thoughts on it to kind of have a, more of that conversation I, i've done that a couple of times with you know reviews i posted late where uh commenters can actually directly offer their thoughts so it's kind of neat yeah i mean and not only that is that there's also uh guide content and walkthroughs and things like that to help you if you get stuck. <laughs> yeah so that's the biggest problem of course is doing something pre-release is that if you get stuck you're stuck you know you have to really like brute force your way and that can make you frustrated and that can you might take that out on the score for the game or something but you know people who've worked things out more logically and you're not in the mindset uh-huh. that you have to really rush your way through it it helps a lot yeah. um, and you can be really yep. relaxed about when you're working on this so it's just, an, it's just the nature of the game. Aside from that, it's just been, you know, mobile, mobile games, Grimble yeah. Fantasy. Uh, like I said, um, they've been having this Golden Week thing, and I've been playing a ton of that. Uh, a lot of Terra um, Battle 2, which people don't really talk about much. Um, they've been trying to get better at releasing content for um, it, but, you know, it seems yeah. like this game is it's all, it's almost dead now, it feels um, like. You know, it's kind of sad when you think about this is how Hironobu um, Sekiguchi's game, and this is how it is. Um, which is crazy because um, I actually downloaded... A big playlist. It seems like the only way to get music online anymore mm-hmm. is either through like SoundCloud or like Daily Motion. If you want to like get music that's not been taken down by, you know, license holders or something like that, because otherwise you have to like buy the soundtrack from Japan or something like that because they don't have any official mm-hmm. stuff over here. So I downloaded this big playlist that I found, and a lot of the music is incredibly good in Terra Battle 1 and 2. I mean, a lot of it is also uh, Noburu Uematsu uh, composing the music, but there's other comp- uh, composers as well. Mm-hmm. He's never really just a one-person show as, as he was before, mm-hmm. um, uh, a one-man band. Uh, so, But the music is so good, and people don't really get to experience that, especially yeah. in a mobile setting where you may not have the music on at all because you're busy doing something else or whatever. Um but like anything like that just makes it feel like I would love to see what this what this potential could be. And I guess they are working on a console a version of this game, whatever I forget what that name of the third project was, but like it's supposed to be like that claymation style that they were going for, apparently. Uh and also they talked about it during Anime Expo last year is that he they are working on a console version because Sakaguchi said that that was one of like, the stretch goals for the original Terra Battle was a console port, and he felt like he didn't want to let people down because he was ashamed of the fact that he promised that and didn't deliver. So they're working on that. Uh, I just don't know what the what how many people would be find that appealing because even then when it was announced, people were like ah, I guess you know. <laughs> um, I mean, because at this point, like there is a way to play Terra Battle on PC. Like there's this app in Japan that lets you play it on PC, and you can switch to English and play it that way. But it's still not you know what you'd want from that. It doesn't really work that well on on a computer because otherwise, just taking a mouse and clicking, dragging things around, it just it's just not working so great. 
So uh, hopefully they figured out a way to make it work better in a, in a console setting, but we'll see. But let's get into the news because there's, there's not a whole lot to talk about, and so we want to just kind of focus on some of the bigger topics here. The first thing we've got here is some pretty good news, in fact. So Swery, uh of Deadly Premonition and D4 fame, he was uh, struggling quite a, a lot in getting his latest project um, crowdfunded. So uh, people don't know, a while back, I, I think it's Access Games, right? He founded that studio, but he left that not long ago. I think it got bought up by like Deep Silver or something like that. And so he just decided to leave that studio behind. He kind of did like a temporary retirement or something, and he came back with a new studio called The White Owl. And so his first project was uh, The Good Life, which is this sort of, um, they call it like a daily life mystery game or something, um, where it's it's got that same sort of hook as Deadly Premonition did, which is Twin Peaks, basically, where during the day, it's just a normal everyday town. At night, everyone turns into cats and dogs, uh, and there's this woman who gets murdered and is found in a lake. Uh, so it's, you know, right up there at the Twin Peaks style, and now you have to solve the mystery. And you're like this photojournalist uh, who is kind of investigating what's going on with that. So the history of The Good Life, it first showed up on Fig, uh, where it, it didn't even meet, I think, half of its crowdfunding goal. And so he pulled the project from there, turned around a uh, month later after working on it for a while, and put it on Kickstarter. Now, it, and the good news is because he decided to wait so long. The thing is, on Fig, I think the the crowdfunding goal was like $1.2 million. And so on Kickstarter, the goal was like half of that. So about 600, I think, 12 million, uh, not 12 million, wow, that'd be insane, $612,000. And um, up until the last, uh, say, 72 hours, it was still struggling quite a bit. Uh, it was only at about $300,000, $400,000. And then uh, because he got so much uh, outpouring of support from the the development community, but also fans alike, uh, and he finally put out a demo for it, which he should have done a long time ago. And that's part of the reason there was like this gap between the Fig version and the Kickstarter release is that he didn't really have much media for it. And so he put out, he started the Kickstarter with like a video of the game itself, but then he finally put out a demo for it, and he got someone from IGN to play it, and, and some other popular streamers uh, to play it a lot, uh, online for him. And finally, in the last, like say, about 40, 30 hours, it finally made its crowdfunding goal. But, you know, it, it's kind of difficult to really take that too seriously because at the same time, there's been plenty of cases in the past where there are people who back at the highest tier and then pull out at the last second, basically trolling the whole project and leaving it uh, uh, without being able to meet its uh, its initial goal. That's happened to some projects there. There's some really, you know, really heartbreaking, tragic stories if you want to read them online about these people who, like, scrapped all their money together to make this project happened in the first place and this is kind of their their dream to release a, a game or any of the project and then they get trolled by somebody online and they they lose everything you know you don't get to make anything if it doesn't meet its uh its its uh original backing uh its original goal so that's that's been terrible stories that have happened because of that but swery fortunately was able to meet that goal and pass it by another hundred thousand dollars so he uh he really was able to meet that and it's it's good to see that happening um uh, you know, in, in this day and age where, like, it seems like the general opinion about Kickstarter has sort of uh, waned over the time, you know? It sort of reminds me of uh, Indivisible. That was on uh, yeah. Indiegogo. Is Indie, is that right? Yeah, yeah. And what they had to do is they actually, it was like a 30-day, 
I don't remember what the goal was, but it was a 30 day thing. And they actually got like a, a 15 day extension in order to, to make it, which I know some people, I know some people thought that might've not been fair or whatever. And I don't really know the politics of it, like, why, but why, I, why, why I, they care? that's the, that's the bigger question, you know, <laughs> but I remember it was kind of struggling too. And it might've been its second Kickstarter at that time as well. Um, but it just kind of reminded me of like a, a project that had had to be like pitched more than once and overcome a hurdle or two to to, to actually kind of enter that actually starts to you know be created production sort of. Uh, that's actually one of the only uh, projects I've backed because that's got that uh in Indivisible's that two D art uh, Valkyrie profile type yeah. platforming and battle system. Uh, so it's got the Skullgirls artist, uh, Kinu Cakes, uh, and just looks really cool. It should be coming out relatively soon. I think it was supposed to be 2018, but it might be 2019 now. You know, that's how things work. Uh, but maybe within a year or so, who knows? Yeah, I mean, I think for that. it is still slated for some time later this year. I mean, they did get help from uh, 505 Games uh, to All right. publish it. And that's like, I think that, if I'm not mistaken, I think that's the same thing that's happening to Bloodstain. It's they've got, yeah, five hundred five games. So, yep, it, it is. In fact, that they're also helping them publish it. So it's like they've got like this, uh, which you know, this was like years ago when that happened. So mm-hmm. they're getting some help and getting that published. But hopefully, it'll be out later this year. But Good Life, you know, they put out a new story trailer for it. It looks great. It's got a unique style to it, which is not surprising yeah. considering it's very. Uh, and I'm excited for them. You know, it, it's like I said, it's it's. It's great to see somebody like that um, who's got sort of like this cult following, if you will, uh, from fans. Uh, ever since they decided to drop the price of Deadly Premonition to 20 bucks back then, uh, which is crazy to think about because we were talking about Vanillaware, and I think they had, what was that uh, that one PSP game, Grand Knight's History, I think, Grand Knight History? Um, am I thinking of that name right? Yeah, it was, Grand Knight History, which is yes. a precursor to Dragon's Crown, in fact. Uh, oh really? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm sorry. That was a different game. That was that. that Grand, you're thinking Grand Kingdom. Grand Kingdom. Yes, that was the precursor to that. Grand Knight um, History uh, was. Uh, it's a Vanillaware game, of course, and it was supposed to be published by the studio Ignition, who was owned by like this weird entertainment conglomerate. Uh, I think it's a, uh, from like I think it might be from China, in fact. Uh, and they they were going to release that game for twenty bucks, and that couldn't happen. So Exceed, I, I forget it was Exceed or yeah, Exceed took over that project, but they couldn't like follow through with it. Uh, and so Grand Knight's history was canceled. Uh, and it was also because they wanted to release that game at twenty bucks as well. Like there was like this retrospective I think Exceed did that talked about that. Nice America came in, uh, and uh, you know they still were able to release Grand Kingdom, which is heavily inspired by like if you look at the visual for Green Knight's history it's pretty much what that game yeah. ended up being uh you know same artist and everything uh but they ended up just releasing this project instead uh but that i mean i just wanted to kind of mention about how crazy development can be and it's cool that good life was able to finally see the light uh that hopefully we'll see the light of day but it met its crowdfunding goal so that's good to see and if you see like the um post uh crowdfunding goal meet stream that they did it's Swery seems so, you know, appreciative about that, so gracious about people being able to back his project. If you follow him on Twitter, like our RPG site account does, he talks a lot about that project, so it's good to see him in, in high spirits, because uh, this is his baby, and that's that's nice to see it. Uh, but let's move on to some other... Swing, like, the completely opposite direction here. There wasn't a whole lot of news as we uh, get, kind of just get into, uh, you know, every, the calm before E3, in a sense. 
Yeah, exactly. I've been talking a lot, so Adam, I'll have you take this one. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, take, get, a, get a drink or whatever. Uh, so it has not been a good year or so for Nice America. Uh, like every publisher is going to make some mistakes here and there, but Nice America is kind of on a roll here uh, in the wrong direction. Obviously, we've we talked ad nauseum about the East localization and port and problems, and that PC port is still getting updated. Uh, but they over the last week, they released a demo for Disgaea 5 Complete, which was set to release next week on PC, which is really cool, you know, have Disgaea on PC. Um, I played the first two on PC, and I'm kind of waiting for the, to see if the third one shows up. But the demo was one of those sorts of demos where it downloads essentially the whole game, but there's supposed to be a block that block players from accessing, you know, the later parts of it because it's a demo, right? But apparently it was very, very easy to manipulate the, the download uh, just using some sort of hex editor to basically access the full game for free. Uh, so Nice America pulled the demo, and they also delayed the release of Disgaea 5 Complete for summer. And, you know, if it was just the single delay for Disgaea 5, it probably wouldn't be that interesting of a topic, but it just kind of feels like with everything else that Nice America has had troubles with recently, it's just kind of another one to add on. And it's, it's, I almost kind of feel like confused, curious, interested, and bad for them. Like, it's just weird to see this. Uh, these sorts of things happen, but uh, anyways, that's supposed to come out this summer sometime. I don't know. You you really like this guy of five. I know that. Uh, yeah. So I was... I, I'm kind of, I'm kind of at the point where I, I want to play it, but I kind of want to play three and four first, just to kind of, I like to go in sequence just to kind of see how things evolve rather than go backwards when I, if I don't need to, but who knows if they have any plans to bring three and four to PC or if I have to play those on Vita. But uh, yeah, that's Disgaea 5. There's also um, Disgaea Refine in Japan, which is called Disgaea 1 Complete in English, localization. They they released the the first trailer for that in Japan uh, the, over the last week, and it's it's basically a remaster of the original game. It looks like it's not a remake. It's the same, you know, maps. If some of the artwork is identical to the original release, just kind of upscaled or whatnot. But they did replace some things like in battle artwork, and the sprites are more like later games in the series and using the original sprites. Um, so it's kind of a, just kind of a, a visual upgrade over the original Disgaea, and that's coming out for PS4 and Switch uh, this this fall. So yeah, I, which is great news because yeah, Disgaea yeah. one still amazing game, and uh, yeah, it's, well, I, it's just that all they did is like pull back the camera like they did in five to make it so there's more sprites on screen. That's what yeah, the this, this like. is this is kind of interesting phenomenon that I know more than one person who kind of feel like Disgaea one is worth playing, but that the rest of the series lost something along the way. I know not everyone agrees with this, but I know I know a couple of people who, they liked the original game, but they, they never really cared for the rest of it. There's like something about that original Disgaea that allowed it to kind of become a franchise, if you will. Uh, so, it's just kind of, there's something, it's, 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 it is worth playing if you haven't, just in terms of if you want to see a, a strategy RPG that kind of goes completely nuts with it, yeah. uh, both in terms of character, story, and mechanics. It's at least just worth kind of seeing what it has. 
Yeah, I mean, so. I guess part of it is also that, you know, that they started to make other games that were pretty much identical to Disgaea, like Moon and Souls and stuff like that. But also, it's like when me and uh, Chow were talking last week, it's that Disgaea 2, can all you remember what happened? Disgaea 3, it's kind of, you know, mixed, even if I like it, because of Big Venona and other and other parts of it, uh, and the ending to that game is pretty good. Disgaea 4 is probably when the game, uh, once again, hit its peak, because it had Troy Baker talking about sardines, but it also had, like, some other really interesting parts about it, introduced some new mechanics. Disgaea D2, uh, definitely not as good as the first game, but still pretty neat uh, in what it introduced, like the, the cheat shop. Disgaea 5, I think, is when it's, once again, uh, a really, really good game because it has so much content you can really sink your teeth into. But also it has, like, a serious story in, in spots, and I think that's what Disgaea 1 was good about, too. It's that even if it, it was very slapstick and very off-the-wall humor, uh, there are definitely parts where it gets kind of serious, and you, you can get into it that way. But also it has, like, Disgaea 1 easily has the most memorable characters, which I'm sure that's, that's part of the big reason why. But... Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't know if, it, like, for Disgaea 5, going back to that, it's that they did this weird, like, they shouldn't have done this, honestly, where they did this weird, like, partnership with Alienware, this Alienware arena, like, no one's used before. I don't know if it's that, like, if for some reason they didn't have the proper DRM to block uh, people editing their saves um, to access the full game, because there was this concern, and it was like, it didn't make any sense anyway, because the, de- the Disgaea 5 demo for the PS4... Uh, and for the Switch, I think, even, only let you play up to Chapter 1. And so that's why there was, like, this big outcry that once someone got to Chapter 2, people were like, what's going on? Did you accidentally release the full game? And they're not the only ones who did this, of course. You've had, just earlier this year, uh, with Sega, uh, with the Acquisition 6. And Sony did that accidentally with NAC 2. And I remember one time I got Amplitude for free <laughs> uh, because they messed up on the demo. Like, you can get the demo version, and that unlocks the full game because they just recognize that you have, like, the license to the game across the board yeah. for some reason. No shit. So, I don't know what, what could have caused that to happen. I think that this is nowhere near as terrible as East 8 uh, ended up. Yeah, like, yeah, it just... It, a dumb mistake like, by some programmer that didn't know how to encrypt the files, I guess. Yeah, if this was, like, just a standalone issue, it would still be kind of... Uh, I don't know the right word to say here, like bad slash amusing uh, in terms of how this happened, but just kind of layered on top of all these other issues that Nice America has had over the last year. It's just kind of, yeah, you know, the it's like, oh boy. three <laughs> And all this other stuff that's been happening. And say it was delayed twice on PC and right. yeah, it, it was delayed. It was, delayed, like, until, it was like once, twice, I think it was like three times. Honestly. Well, it was originally delayed. No, like let me right? see if I can. Let me see if I can recount this. It was supposed to be re- released in October, and then they said it was going to come out like, or we'd get more information in like December. And then they decided actually December is too early, so we'll release it in January. And then they later said, well, actually we have to delay it again. We're getting a new port PBA. house or whatever. Yeah. And then they said it's coming out in April, and then it released, and they're still patching it. So. It's just this is this is kind of thing kind of on top of all that. It's just kind of like oh boy, yeah. So it's it's, it's insane to think about. I assume the morale over there is, is in the pits right now because of having to put up with all that, based on everything that's been happening. I'm sure like they're they're not in good spirits uh, because this is the last thing they want to do, especially because it's not only. I mean, it's one thing if it was Falcom's property because, you know, that's terrible, but at the same time, it's not their, like, primary projects. When it's happening to, like, Danganronpa, uh, where you got Spike Chunsoft coming in with their own studio, very likely to take over Danganronpa going forward, 
Uh, so they're going to likely be losing that property. But to have it happen to Skaya is terrible. Like that's like their that's obviously their big project. That's their one of the pillars. So to have that happen to them, like it's hard to see whether other studios, uh, bigger studios, would be approaching them to help being a property over if they're going to if this is what's happening. So I don't know what the state of Nice America is right now. But it's definitely at its worst that it's ever been. Because uh, even when Nippon Ichi was having a terrible time in Japan, like... The, uh, they rely the on Nisa. Five, the ah. problem with that is that it was released as a PS4 exclusive. And so when that happened, they lost a ton of sales because, uh, you know, obviously people were... There was, like, backlash when that happened. Even if it meant a lot to the series in terms of, uh, you know, a huge tech- technological advancement. When they did that, they uh, didn't sell that well in Japan. Sold fine in america sold even better on the switch apparently um but because of that happened they lost a lot of money and then uh the only way from what i heard the only reason nippon ichi was able to survive as long as it did was due in large part to the fact that nice america was doing so well especially with anime sales like there was uh, they got a lot of great properties like love live you know they they sold a lot of uh, copies of that and so now that nice america is not doing so hot and upon each is kind of focused on these pet projects it's kind of hard to see where that where everything's at and they don't have that you know distribution agreement with uh atlas anymore you know there's just a lot of stuff that's been happening yeah. the past couple of years it's at the very least it's just kind of interesting to watch <laughs> yeah i haven't yeah. it's kind of like everything's just yeah. like watching a fire <laughs> you know it's, it's <laughs> yeah like i don't want to i don't i don't mean to say like i take joy in other people's misery or anything like that, but oh. it's just it's just this sort of stuff you don't see that often, you know. It's like they did it to, to this the, extent. They themselves in the yeah. this is all, we're not we're not like giving them like too much sympathy or like you know yeah. people should not pick on them. It's like they did this to themselves, like by large part. Right. You know, they could avoid a lot of this from happening if they just you know focused on doing things right. Like Dangarupa V3, for example, having a separate editor on each character not a good way to plan these things. It's the same thing would happen to Atlas though, in that they had like this big team on Persona Persona 5's localization and that. That, you know, that spawned a uh-huh. lot of controversy on that stuff. So uh, it's it's just it's just been bizarre to see this stuff happening, and it's it's hard to feel bad for East America because uh, like you feel for them, but at the same time, this stuff didn't yeah. happen. And you know, it, it, but the writing was on the the writing was on the wall when you heard all the different things that were happening behind the scenes. You know, and I don't know what it means as far as like. If people are all, are all like a lot of their big talent is going to keep jumping ship because that kind of feels like what's happening right now. They don't want to stick around for this. Anyways, just another bit of news. Uh, not again. Not a whole lot happened. Like Ghostlight has been. Ghostlight is a kind of a tiny little porthouse publisher in the UK, um, and they've been bringing uh, a number of games that are console JRPGs to Steam. Like they more recently did uh, Lost Dimension. They did Omega Quintet. Actually, is Omega Quintet out yet uh, on Steam? I or they think just... it is because I remember it's <laughs> like a code for that. And surprise, surprise, no one else wanted to review it. So yeah, I'm pretty so sure they, it they... came out like not long ago. Yeah, it did. It did. Okay, Actually, so it came out last, last December. December. Yeah. Yeah. So well. okay, um, but yeah, so they kind of take these really niche kind of compile heart. Uh, Lost Dimension was Atlas. Yeah. Um, and other games to PC. This Xbox time, they actually, yeah. this time they're bringing uh, an an Axis game. Um, to did they pronounce it Axis, right? Yeah, Axis. Yeah. Okay. A K Y S Y S. They're bringing uh, Sorcery Saga: Curse of the Great Curry God to PC, um, which is a 
It's an, it released on PlayStation Vita back in 2012. It's a roguelite game. Um, and it's... Let me look this up real quick here. I didn't have this handy. I mean, I can kind of explain what, what was happening. So. Well, it's, it's, it, from what I gather, it's actually a kind of a reprisal of, a, of an earlier series. Yes. Uh, yes, it's based on the original Madu Monogatari series uh, of games, roguelites, that released on, thing, on games like the PC Engine and the Mega Drive and the Game Gear back in the 90s. Um, and it hadn't really had a whole lot of games. Like it, that's what spawned Pure Pure, uh, the series yeah. of that. It's the characters from there. Yeah. So, like, for I, the last, there, there is an old Japanese phone game, but like the last Mato Mono Guitar game was on the Saturn in 1998. Yeah. And then this, and then this came out in 2013. So there was quite a jump. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's, but, and to be, to be kind of, you know, cut and dry about that, Sorcery Saga is all about, you know, going out, finding, uh, ingredients to make uh to create like uh, to form recipes to cook food so that's like the big part of that that's why it's called uh curse of the great curry god is because you're trying to make the the greatest curry that anyone's ever tasted uh, i just found it interesting because this is a game that kind of came and went and this is at a time when a lot of roguelites uh were being released uh like you had a like, cladoon uh you know God, what am I blanking on that? Uh, there was like a few other ones I got. Like Liga Sister came out around that same time. There's been like a lot of these uh, roguelites that were releasing, um, and this is the one that kind of passed everything by. And so it's cool that this is one of those games that were released there. And then again, it's been on sale a lot, but for some reason I was kind of just hoping it'd be released. Kind of like, uh, what was that 2D Samurai uh, Vanillaware game that... Why Muramasa. Muramasa, yes. I'm hoping that it was released on PlayStation Plus, but it never was. <laughs> and so uh, I'm just, I, I'm just personally kind of happy that this is going to be um, uh, released there. But from what everything I heard, it's a very traditional roguelite. So it's the same style where you know you have to run out, and if you don't, if you die at some point, you lose everything. So it's got those those things. But it's got apparently it's got some charm to it too. So that'd be kind of neat. Not now, Ghostlight, Ghost <laughs> yeah, it's very niche. Um, Ghostlight also teased that they have some other dungeon crawler that they're porting. What do you think it is? I mean, it could be uh, that Compile Heart one. What was it? Mary Skelter? I mean, I don't know. <laughs> Mary Skelter? That's not on PC? Oh, I guess that was only beta, right? So that's that makes some sense. But the thing is, Compile Heart, when they usually release PC games, they, it's usually published by them. Although Ghostlight, I know, has worked on some. Uh, yeah, that's right. for them. So that, that's kind of weird with Ghostlight. Is sometimes they are the publisher, like their names on it, but sometimes they are just kind of like in behind the scenes, like yeah, we ported it. Like they actually did the PC version of uh, Tokyo Xanadu, but they're not the publisher. That's X Axis still. So yeah. it's you know it's kind of weird sometimes. I guess how those negotiations work. So. <laughs> Yeah, I, it's, everything's. I, I, for some reason, I thought like uh, Mary Skelter came out on PC, but no, that's that Moira Crystal or Chronicle game that I reviewed a long ago. But yeah, they all kind of blend together at some point. But yeah, yeah. that's that's uh, that's good to see that game being released. And the last piece of news we've got here, though, just to sort of wrap things up, is something that it's kind of crazy because when we first reported on Cyberpunk 2077, this was back in 2012. So this is like a, a long time ago, like half, like you know, like I said, like six years ago, and this was like when it was being teased. Uh, this is before the PS3 or the Xbox One was 
even announced, I think. I think there's like pre-announcement phase. And so all we knew that it was probably going to come to PC and, and uh, CD Projekt Red said they were going to be working on that. It's kind of hard to imagine, too, that this was still like when Witcher 3 was being developed or was like shortly before its release, too. Um, but this is, people who don't know, this is based on the uh, Cyberpunk 2020 uh, tabletop RPG, I think it's called. And so they mm-hmm. obviously threw it 57 years in the future and called it 2077. Um but they said that they're going to have an RPG to show off uh, that's for PS4, Xbox One, and PC. So still no Switch version. People are probably going to be port begging anyway. Uh, but is are you guys like excited about uh, Cyberpunk? Because I am. I am. I mean, I have not played The Witcher, and I know I really need to. But at least with Cyberpunk, it kind of feels like I can start here. I know people say you can start with The Witcher 3, but I still feel like I... Yeah shouldn't uh, <laughs> at least cyberpunk it's kind of like okay i can play this and there's I, there's nothing else i have like there's no prerequisite in a sense so how about, how about you Kazma? do you have much connection to the cd project games no i don't like them you don't Sorry. Like them? <laughs> no why uh, i have Curious. Oh my, okay, you know what, I get, yeah, I'll just go for it, I mean, I get people telling me that, you know, I should kill myself every day, so whatever, let's just go, let's just go, balls to the wall. Yeah, because <laughs> I always talk about really controversial shit, all the time. Oh, fuck those guys, whoever's telling you that shit, fuck them, that's terrible, don't do that shit, yeah. okay? no uh, one else does that, we're all people here. No, I mean, I've, I've never played Witcher, I know people complain about the combat in it. That's not and really so that's, the draw, though. It's it's the story. No. Yeah. Yeah. See, I don't I don't like the story. I don't like this whole like, um, like we talked about the the game has racism and uh, yeah, has, like Jennifer taking yeah. her top off and shit. Like I I don't like those allegories so much, especially when they're just done in a way that's just. I mean, like you could just address it full on, but they choose not to. Instead, they just kind of allude to oh, it. That's that's the and, that's the biggest problem. I think. I'm sorry to cut you off, yeah. of course, because I think this is very important. It's that. I think that's when you run into the issue where it's got the developers versus the marketing team. Like when, say, oh, and sorry, when Adam was talking about the whole like it addresses racism, it's like I don't think that's really about it. You know, yeah. all the time mm-hmm. it's about the 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 war that the Witchers are facing versus uh, everything else. Because yeah, it's like they're they're kind of like it, Geralt is just doing his job. Like he's paid uh-huh. to do a job and he's going to do it. And he's doing it the best that he possibly can. At the same time, he's really underappreciated because of what he is. Uh, you know, he's pretty pretty much treated like a, a third world person. Which I guess in some part that's kind of their approach to how if they're going to address. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, think I was it's, I was it's, more talking yeah. I was more yeah, talking but, about the elves because the elves are treated like a minority, like yeah, they yeah. are like every fantasy setting. And I think that's like pretty weak because there were like a lot of complaints when this game had come out about like how it kind of like frames women and like has like a very clear lack of like people of color um and i yeah and i i do have like a problem with that or like major like um like these major roles these characters take like i mean like how i view these things is not going to align with how someone else views them and i mean a lot of people really love these games i just don't and i'm just gonna be honest like i just don't care for white fantasy like that's everything i've grown up with in the west and as a result like i have diaspora like a really bad diaspora because of that um so that's why i try to play games that are more like in the vein of where i can maybe see myself in the witcher like i can't like live that fantasy if you know what i mean like it's something i I can relate to so i'm not interested i am i this is going to be part 
speculation, part um, just kind of what I know from a distance. Mm -hmm. From what I understand, you're not the only one who's made this criticism, of course. And uh, one of the DLCs for The Witcher 3, I know, primarily featured at least darker skinned people. And it was kind of sort of a Band-Aid to representation in a sense. I don't remember if it was Blood and Wine or the the other one. But what I'm getting at, and this is sort of hopeful speculation, is maybe... if CD Projekt has kind of received this sort of representation criticism, maybe they going forward into cyberpunk, they can try to be, you know, and, and especially in a future fantasy, in a future setting, not fantasy with cyberpunk, they can, there's no excuse for them not to have all sorts of different types of people from different, you know, races and backgrounds and whatnot. So that's kind of a hopeful uh, speculation. We'll all just have to see what they have at A3. I mean, no, I'm, like, really hopeful, too, for Cyberpunk. Like, I really think they will, because, like, I think they create the creators actually, like, a black man um, of, like, the Cyberpunk, like, role-playing setting. Yeah. And he's he has, like, a hand in it, and so I'm really hopeful about that. Uh, but just the way the trailer was kind of, like, framed, I'm like, mm, yeah, yeah, maybe no, it's going to be I, my I thing. Totally yeah. I mean, it, yeah. Obviously, yeah, Witcher 3, as far as I remember outside of that DLC that you mentioned, because I've now played the DLC, I don't think a single human was anything other than white. <laughs> so that totally, mm-hmm. I, I do get that, and I, I recognize that now, that that's, that's one of the biggest problems, that there's definitely not much representation. I will say Siri as a woman is one of the most badass characters in, in I've ever seen, and I love that. I, I, and me as a player, even if I do cover a lot of these super niche games, I'm also quote-unquote like a feminist in that i really love it when i see like a strong woman and in, in a game like that very well represented too and and not just you know the damsel in distress i think that's shit and i hate that shit uh but i do agree that i really do hope that they have learned their lesson in that and uh like i guess it's, it's the problem is that uh cd project red it's that they're working off of novels and so maybe that's the, also the problem with the books themselves not giving them like an out or an excuse for that shit it's, uh, it's I I don't know if maybe that's also a big problem of the works that they're, they're dealing with, and I don't actually remember how much say there is. As far as I remember, I think the author hates the games. So that's probably why yeah, it yeah, doesn't the, really matter. Yeah, the author, like I guess, like I, I mean, like I think from Wikipedia, he was just like whatever, like do whatever the fuck you want. I hate this yeah. anyways. Like yeah, I think he didn't really give a um, shit about those games anyway. Uh, I, I guess yeah. it's, uh, you know, outside of the representation issues, is that I fell in love with it because of how well made the story was, as far as that it wove. Uh, main quest and side quest so well together that it became so incredible being able to like suddenly you're like on the main path and then there's this thing mm-hmm. happening to the side and then you're going through hours and hours of basically side quest and you can't tell the difference and I think that's that's what drew me to it so much and I spent about at least 200 hours in that game because I fell in love with the world that it created. And so, yeah, I, I do agree with you that it. I hope that that in Cyberpunk 2077 that you know that trailer had its own controversy because yeah it's just a woman kneeling down being shot at uh half naked so yeah and her underwear yeah it's it's definitely not needed um but yeah i hope so as well especially with the prospect that you can create your own character you know as opposed to just being Geralt. uh so yeah you can create whoever you want in my in my opinion it's just that i hope i can make my ghost in the shell rpg reality but the cd project red's uh ability to craft a world within the sci-fi genre i think that's what makes it so exciting but we'll have to see right so mm-hmm. yeah uh, like I'm, I'm a huge fan of these like sci-fi transhumanist settings like i used to be like really into like deus ex yeah. um uh, yeah like that was like my thing 
um, until Mankind Divided came out, and I oof. was like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not <laughs> yeah, oof is the one way I to put it. I think everyone agreed that that didn't handle a lot. And I think, like, you know, even going back when I think that game was originally delayed because it was at the time that the... Um, a shooting in the Pulse nightclub happened, and so they wanted mm-hmm. to. Actually, I know it was. I don't know if. Actually, I don't. I think it was in the Paris one. Uh, they all blend together, sadly uh, and tragically. I think it was. It, and, and one of the scenes was that there was like a uh, there was like a, a prom in like in a nightclub, and so they had. They, I think they delayed the game to edit that part out, and so they by six months. And by then, I think the mind space that the game had went away. Uh, in consumers' minds, and so it just didn't really have the effect, and so now you can get it for like maybe five, ten bucks. <laughs> uh, so I, I think that that game kind of fell flat, and that kind of explains, you know, a lot of those types of projects right now with like, you know, even Mass Effect. It's just mm-hmm. like those games try to make like the cyberpunk such sci-fi genre. It's it's having a difficult time right now, and it'd be cool to see what CD Projekt can do about that. But I hope uh, I think I totally agree with you that they really also need to get that part right. Because if they want to craft a world, that they need to get representation right uh, in terms of not just gender, but race. And I think that'd be great to see them be able to do that. So I don't think that you should not get any hate mail for that or whatever. I think it's a very founded, I think a, a very well-established issue that I think that everyone could benefit. Because the more uh, mass appeal that it has, I think the better off that everyone will be, especially when it comes to you know recognizing the problems that video games have lately. And Hollywood has, you know. Uh, mm-hmm. that they're trying to turn in a leaf on that stuff, and it'd be cool to see them do something uh, to sort of show what they can accomplish in the video game space, and hopefully have it affect in Hollywood too. So, yeah, I really appreciate you saying that, man. Like that, that's really nice. Thank you so much. Uh, I mean, they're making yeah, a, no. a Witcher TV series right now, and so I hope that that's, that's going to be kind of crazy to see what they do. With God, that. yeah, I'm, I'm actually kind of interested to see who they're going to cast as Geralt. Um, and then, you know, maybe I'll check it out and everything. Like, I'm not, like, opposed to, like, looking at this stuff or anything, so, I mean, yeah. you, you should follow some of the stuff that's been talking about, because I, I, I think the showrunner um, is a woman, and she's been talking about it on Twitter. I forget her name right now. I'm not just saying she's a woman just because of the fact that I think I just forget her name right now, but she's been talking about it. It's going to be, like, eight episodes, I think, an hour long each, uh, and they said that they're going to take things in a different, a sort of different direction a little bit, uh, so I wonder if that'll also play a part in it, but we'll see. Yeah, I'll check it out, then I'll definitely look her up as well. Thank you for telling me that. Yeah, absolutely, and, um, you know, maybe one day you'll you'll uh, check out what Witcher has, but, you know, uh, I totally see where you're coming from, and I definitely respect that, and I think that's important, um, because it can't just be me as a, as a white man trying to shove my ideals on other people, so... In any case, uh, that's it for the news, and I think that's it for the podcast. And so let's talk about where you guys can find us. You can always find us on rpgsite.net. You can find us on Twitter, at rpgsite. Our Facebook page, mm-hmm. facebook.com, slash rpgsite.net. Our YouTube channel, youtube.com, slash rpgsite.net. You can find us on iTunes, your favorite podcast app, to search for TetraCast. You can also find us our permanent Discord link, discord.me slash RPG site. And lastly, we'd like to share where you can find us on Twitter. So where can they find you, Kazuma? Uh, they can find me at justicekazzy underscore. It's just justice and K-A-Z-Z-Y underscore. Uh, Adam? K-I-N-G underscore S-E-D-A. And you can find me at Zach Reese. So that's it uh, for our May 5th, 2018 edition of the TetraCast. Uh, thank you, Kazuma. Thank you, Adam, for both being part of this. And thank you, everyone out there, for listening. But always catch us next week for yet another edition of the TetraCast. Bye, everyone. <laughs>